Sometimes he's really sweet, though. He'll just say, Dad, I love you. And just he'll send me all these hard emojis and everything. <laughs> it's when he's in a good mood. My daughter and I do the emoji kind of emoji chat. I don't know what you call it, but we basically talk back and forth with either pictures or emojis where I'll, I'll send her a picture of me making a face or something. We'll just go back and forth. I'm still not very good at the emoji thing, and I don't think I ever will be. I just think I'm too old for it, but it, because it takes me, for, I try, but it takes me so long to find the emoji that I want. Oh, you got to find the perfect one. There's like 800 you of them. get emoji anxiety? No, there's just, there's so many of them, and I'm, I'm just scrolling through pages of thinking, okay, well, I mean, I guess if you do them long enough, you know which one you're looking for, but I'm still in the mode of, I'm just like looking to see what's available. There's only three you need to know. Smiley face, heart, and poop. <laughs> There's only three you need to know. <laughs> Speaking of that, title, smiley face, heart, and poop. <laughs> so do we have some business to discuss? Yeah, I was going to say, we should, cover? We should uh, initiate our session with a, a business meeting, bring this. Do we have like intro music for the business? <laughs> no, I don't. I need like a gavel or something. What would be a, what would be a good... I don't a good know. intro. Yeah, I can't think of one. No, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. We'll have to get a gavel. <laughs> Bring the meeting to order. Is that what they I, say? I don't want to have too many of these meetings, though. Bring it to order. Yeah. All right. It's too, too business-like. I'm done with that. Yeah, I know. Tired. I'm, I'm just letting people know that we, uh, you know, we're, we try to have, do this in the open. It takes too, it's too much effort for us to have meetings outside of the podcast. I don't have to talk to you twice in the day. Once is enough punishment. So let's get this over with. That, that hurts just a little. <laughs> just a little. Um, okay. So so we, last week, we had asked for some feedback, and I think our previous episode was long enough that people are still catching up, so we still might actually get some feedback <laughs> from are, our last week's episode. <laughs> people are still trying to get, get through that two and a half hour episode. Yeah. But um, I, think, I think we got most of our questions answered. I mean, I think people agreed we should keep it clean. I think that, and even I said, you know, that's, that's just the way I want to be. Some people said they didn't care. Some people, you know, I didn't actually, I didn't see anyone say that, hey, you know, I appreciate you keeping it clean or whatever. No, but a few people just said, you know, clean's good. Explicit might turn people off. That's true. You know, kind of what I was saying too. Uh, yeah, I, I'm the same way. It's just, you know, the thing I wonder about is like, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a few things on the soundboard that are, um, for example, let's see. This one. I've got information, man. New sh- has come to life. I mean, do I have to bleep that? Or do I just... You're going to. I know. That's the problem. <laughs> Marker. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. So I, I, I think I'm fine I, with that. So it, yeah, I am too. I mean, because there have been times when we've let those things slip before, um, especially in clips. But when, you know, on the rare occasion that you and I use slightly vulgar language, I do try to bleep that out. Yeah. Mainly because, uh, you know, it's the children. Yeah. It's all about the children, man. It is. <laughs> so... So what's some of the other stuff we talked about? Yeah, and also I don't want to be known as like the uh, the, the foul mouthed podcaster guys. Oh. Those those podcasters. I'm the clean one. You're the foul mouthed. Whatever. One. You're the only uh, you're the only one who's dropped an F bomb on the <laughs> podcast. Okay. You, that, st- you that still was whiskey talking. <laughs> yeah. That was too yeah. much whiskey. <laughs> Blame it on whatever you step on, John. All right. Step on. <laughs> Set responsibility for yeah, my I guess for so. my actions. Uh, All right, what else <laughs> we talk about? Um uh, we talked Slack? About, yeah, we talked about Slack. We talked about communication, having a Slack. Um, we got we got pretty good feedback on that, I think. I mean, people seem genuinely interested in being able to have some kind of Slack community. Yeah, so it's 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 still secret, but you, you went ahead and set up a, a Slack. 
I did because I realized, you know, we we told everyone we're gonna tr- we might do this, and I'm like, well, what if someone goes out there and tries to beat us to it? Right. We we have the name <laughs> reserved, basically. So it is there. Um, it's funny. As much as I've used Slack over the past, I don't know, a year or two, I realized that I don't know how to get people into a Slack because we create them and then I'm and then we're done. But it turns out you can't just go to the Slack's home, the the, right. the team's home, or whatever it's called. Right. And, and say, I want to request, you know, access, or I just want to, you know, self-register, basically. Is there no self-registration? I think there is, but you have to be, you have to be on the same email domain. Like, one of the configuration settings is that, you know, so people can, with okay. this domain can register themselves. So we'd, ad- we'd end up having to give everyone their own email address. No, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to make a summary decision on that one. <laughs> Unilateral decision. Because I'm on a few others, and I don't remember having to request access. But I guess they do. I guess we do. So at some point... Well, you had to invite me to, to your teams, and I've, I invite people to my teams. So I, I think okay. it's just a, an invite thing. So Maybe so. I, I also think it's... Did you, you remember that article I sent you about... Um, it was one of these um, multi... What are they called? Multi... Uh, or a massive uh, education... Online educational programs that used Slack for... They decided to use Slack. Oh, and they have yeah. you know tens of thousands of students, yeah. right? And they and they hit a they completely hit a unpublished user limit, right? And Slack was just like, yeah, sorry, we're not going to do anything about it. Well, they they and did. Totally they said you them. could you could start paying for users, and it was like five users per per or five dollars per month per user, and they multiplied that out by their you know thousands six of figures, users, right? It was, and a, it was just like, it was a, whoa, there's there's no way we can do that, right? And do you think for nonprofit Slack would just give cut them a really good deal or something? I mean, they're they're, but, they're but, business. They're trying to monetize. But they're, who's the question? I mean, who's who's to who's to say whether if you do pay for Slack, that there's not that limit because that limit it, for the we're, we're just assuming that it was for unpaid accounts. That limit was not is not published anywhere. In fact, even on the unlim on even on the free accounts, it says unlimited users. That's hmm. what it says right there on their page. So mm-hmm. who's who's to say that paying for it gets you out of that? It could be some underlying engineering issue. It could be. I mean, I've noticed that they've they've been trying to um, change their marketing up a bit, especially since I had to register for this. I noticed the changes. You know that now they have these three tiers, and now they are adding a fourth enterprise tier to their pricing model. So I I just think they're really trying to. I mean, they're they're in startup mode right now, and I think they're trying to get that monetization going. So they can try to. Dude, they just themselves. they just uh, raise another round with a valuation of like thirteen billion dollars. Yeah, but I mean, you still got to figure out a way to make money. You can't just live off venture funding. They should uh, keep. They should pay people by issuing stock all the time. Yeah, it seems we'll, to work pretty well. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, we will. Okay. <laughs> oh, that. Okay. Oh, I'll leave that. <laughs> so yeah, we have a Slack. Uh, we, so, so we may. It looks like we may be doing a Slack. Yeah. Um, so at some and then I guess at some point we'll we'll announce on the show or somehow that uh, yeah I'll try to do how, some more research how to request how to, re- how to request or you know what we can do about that so okay. we'll get there yeah. we'll make it happen yeah now I think it'll be fun I think um we're, you know we're getting more interaction and and feedback and it's just it's fun it's it's nice to interact with people people you know just asking us questions or telling us how dumb we are or giving us tips whatever. <laughs> That, I mean, I'm, you know, whatever. Well, plus, I always have Slack open, at least most of the time. I have it open more than I do Twitter. Right. Because oh, really? I do interact with other teams on Slack, yeah. so. You're a, multi, a multi-slacker? You are a slacker. I'm a slacker. Yeah. Any other uh, business to discuss? Or can we call this meeting adjourned? Call it adjourned. Okay. Done. 
All right, John. Uh, so the weekly update of your app. And I wanted to say here, um, the the point of this weekly update was, well, there's a few points to it. One is just to keep you on your toes and, you know, some some accountability. But also, I want to know what you're not necessarily, I don't want any secrets because I know you want it to be, you want, you know. A this, slow reveal. Yeah, or or just a controlled, however you want to do yeah, that. That's controlled fine. Controlled reveal. I'll, that, I'll a, let you, I will, better. I'll give you that, that you can reveal this however you want. But what I do what I do want to know on a weekly basis is what you're learning. What like I'm I want learning. updates on, yeah, you know, the, the stack you've chosen, just, you know, any, you know, obviously if you're building this, you're, you're overcoming challenges. You're, you're realizing that this one component doesn't work. You got to swap it out for another one, or you got to drop a whole technology or bring some new stuff in like this. That's, those are the stories that I want. Those are, that's what the, I think that's what the army wants to hear, John. <laughs> you know, we want to <laughs> learn vicariously through you. Well, <laughs> What I'm learning right now, and it's actually what I wanted to update on. I was, I was planning on giving an update, but what I update is going to be along those lines, so eh, mind meld. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Well, what's the update? I'm confused. <laughs> so my build system sucks. Okay. Now, so what, okay, remind us again what, your, what the stack is here. This is, this is a, what it, do you call it? it electron, it's right? It's Electron with Angular 2 and... So um, Electron is you're using, it's not a web app, you're using web technologies Right, run on your computer, right? So it's almost like an embedded, it's got, got an embedded got web node, view, you know. and you're building an HTML and CSS right. and JavaScript, and it's, it's node based. So right. you know you've got all every node package available to you as right. functionality. Um, okay, so and you have a build system, right? Okay, so tell and us it's about just it. it's just uh, oh shoot, I forgot what am I using Grunt or Gulp? Hopefully Gulp. I think Gulp. Yeah, I think it's Gulp. I, I just I did that debate in my head, and now I don't even remember. I just built. <laughs> Yeah, grunt right, grunt is seems to be on the wane. Yeah. It was it was good. It was it provided a good uh, solution for a few years, but it's yeah, yeah. Gulp, Gulp seems to have taken have taken over. So I have I have the the file configured and everything, and and I I do my build and everything seems to work. I just it just doesn't feel right. It feels like I'm still kind of in development mode, and I kind of want to transition to where it's almost kind of releasing the software only to me, so that I can run it as it is versus you know building it and then opening up the application and telling it to run a certain way. Mm. I kind of almost want to start implementing the kind of deployment process, the kind of continuous integration that I want to do or yeah. Um, so that when I build, it actually builds and, and creates the, the application for me and updates it. And then I'm just iterating with that and I'm actually using it as it is. Yeah. Um, because right now I just feel like I'm really disconnected from it. I have to do all these things. So I run the application less than I feel I should. That's interesting. Um, since it's based on web technologies, is there a really fast, you know, save reload loop? Because <sighs> you know that's one of the things that we always complain about with Salesforce yeah. development. That that say, you know compile reload loop is so incredibly frustrating and slow. Whether it's static resources or even just saving a Visual Force page or something, it's just slow. Yeah. So and how I is it with how is it with Elect? What's the story there? I mean, you're basically running the application. I mean, even though it's web technologies, it's not like I'm opening up a browser and running it. But it has, Although, to, it has to build this a bi big binary package. It doesn't to have run it. to. I okay. mean, you build it builds the. I will say binary for now because I don't I don't remember all the right terms, but it, do, it does build this binary, and then that gets executed by the Electron shell app. Okay. Um. So. And does the shell remain running? It can. Yeah. Okay. And then can you make changes and then save and compile yeah, and I, it's still I, running? I can okay. set up watchers and everything to run uh, it and okay. everything, but that still feels kind of. I, I kind of want to get that whole pack deployment process, or I keep saying deployment process, but that whole process, that whole flow working a little bit better. Just like a, the build and reload yeah. thing? Yeah. 
Do you have a, you mentioned watchers. Like I know um, I use things like that with Gulp quite a bit. Like yeah. a, you can set up a watch and yeah. you can configure it to look at certain parts of the source tree. And if, you know, if this thing, if anything in this directory changes, then, you know, run the run SAS compile or whatever, or, you know, if this thing runs, then recompile the JavaScript or, the, you know, something here in this tree changes, change, you know, compile the JavaScript. Is it, do you have some kind of watch well, set up there that no, automatically? The only thing I have is, is a watch on the actual build. So I, I run the build command manually and then it, and then it runs the gulp and then it, you know, all the watchers pick up on that. I think I might want to set up my watchers to actually watch all my different um, directories so that as I'm making changes, it actually flows. I'm not sure how chaotic that's going to be though. So I use that sometimes with, in Salesforce development, I'll have a watch set up on, for example, like um, I have attended to go with a model of like say I'm working on a, I do, a, for whatever reason, I don't know why I'm doing a lot of, have for a year or two now, communities, Salesforce community work, right? Mm-hmm. Using the community's product. And usually the model I have is I've got one static resource for that entire community, right. but it's made up of, you know, the, yeah. inside the JavaScript, CSS, there's JavaScript, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've got, you know, I'm using a, I'm using modular JavaScript. So I've, I'm using like Browserify to, um, to, you know, basically compile all my modules and, and, create, you know, a simple output JavaScript, um, SAS, all that kind of stuff. And I can set up a watch so that if I change, you know, one JavaScript module or make a minor SAS change to something, um, that it will compile that whole static resource and automatically upload it to Salesforce for me, which right. is which is when I'm working in that mode that I want that, it actually works pretty well. I mean, again, the only downside is actually uploading it. I mean, the whole build takes a couple, maybe a second or two to run to update that. But then pushing it over to Salesforce can take you know, five to 30 seconds, depending on, you know, again, it's, it's the cable, <laughs> mo- it's, the, it's, two the ca- minutes it's the I've cable modem, go. the cable modem model of <laughs> enterprise computing. Right. Uh, it could be, if, if things are running fast, it'll be fast. If things, you know, if there's a lot of people running integrations or hammering it or whatever, it's, or it's going to be slow. Yeah. So I haven't decided if, if enabling that's going to be a little too chaotic and I might, I might focus too much on the wrong things or, or if it's really going to help me like, like I think it will, because a lot of, a lot of what I'm getting into now is is I have the data structure. I am looking to potentially add um, some kind of in-memory database as a kind of as a way to kind of mock the system. Yep. The backend system. Yep. Um, I forgot the name of it. Um, there's one I was looking at, but I forgot the name of it. But anyways, that's that's probably the next decision I'll probably make is figuring out how to mock it a little bit better. Right now, it's it's a bunch of fixtures and structures and i think i want something a little more elegant than that i guess it's not sqlite um no i'm trying to think memorize or mesmerize or oh really Hmm. something like that trying to think of ones i've used before um what are they called oh um is it hsql I know I've used SQLite, but that's, I don't, I've never, I don't, I, I, I use SQLite for actual lightweight database, not necessarily just an in-memory, like, test type replacement. Um, let's see. Oh, H2. Yeah, H2 and HSQL. I think one of them's like a continuation of the other. Um, yeah, I was looking on the book of knowledge list of these in-memory databases. What did you say, what do you think it was called? Uh, it started with an M. I, I, an I M. got turned on to it by, um. The Frontside podcast, they were, they were, it's something they use in Ember and I think React communities. I, don't know I think it's more of an in-memory mocking. Okay. And, but I, I, from what I understand, people have used it to kind of 
mock up their database structures in memory and use that and iterate over that without having to actually build out their database. So now they can kind of iterate much quicker before attaching that back end, mm. that kind of production ready back end. Yep. All right. Well. So, so any suggestions? I mean, do you, do you think I should go that route? Do you think, or do you think I'm kind of good with what I have and kind of that kind of execute the build once I'm ready and, and then just let the watcher take over from there? If I well, should just be constantly viewing it and just iterating as I go I and seeing know. what I break. And because what I was going to say, actually, I, I never finished my point on when, with Salesforce using a watch to automatically, you know, compile the stat and upload the static resource. If I'm in the mood or like the mode mm-hmm. that that works for, I'll do that. But a lot of times I just turn that off and I, I just want to manually, like I know, I know there's eight changes I want to make across eight different files. I don't want the watch to every time I save a file. Yeah. To, that's my to, concern because right. I do have unit <clears throat> tests running and everything as part of that process. So. Well, I mean, if it doesn't build, it won't. Yeah, it won't show up anyway. So I don't but. know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know enough about Electron to, to know what's available. You know what the options are. Well, it's really not Electron. It's really everything else on the other side of it. Electron's just the shell that's going to host it. It's basically a Chrome web browser. Yeah. That and Node, basically, that's all it is. I mean, the faster you can get as far as making a change and being able to see it happen, the the one of the challenges is, and this kind of reminds me of mobile development is. Is these things that will in what's it called? So basically, like a hot, hot recompile. Well, not it's not an emulation. It's it's that it will you make a change, it'll recompile it, and like in the middle of the app while you're still using it, all of a sudden it swaps in new code. It's like what's mm. that like J Rebel in the Java world? Like you can it it basically hot swaps in new cl- new loaded in somehow in the class loader into the running VM so that without because some apps like it takes you you might have to do a lot of things to get into a certain part of the app. Right. You know, logins, button clicks, whatever. And if you have to redo that every time you recompile the app, then that's really slow. Whereas some of these things can recompile and just somehow insert that right in there. And you're still in the, you're still in the same state, same place in the app that you were Mm. just on on the new code. It's a a lot of magic going on there, but I don't know if it, I don't know if there's some option like that or, or does it, you know, when it recompiles, do you, are you, then re-executing the app and you're kind of back at square one. No, you're just kind of re-executing the app. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just depends on what's available. I mean, sometimes you can get caught up in these build issues and just spend a ton of time. And generally, I, I don't necessarily take my advice all that well, but my advice would be to get it set up good enough and then move on and just yeah. build your app, you know. And then, if you know, because you, know, you might just run across something later or someone might come out, someone might develop some new thing that, you know, improves the build process or something. And if you find out about that, great. Then try to incorporate, you know, take a few minutes to try to incorporate that. But man, you can, that's some serious uh, bike shedding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that term. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. We're going to have to pause on that then. Okay. <laughs> um, bike shedding. Wow. Is it really called the law of triviality? Parkinson's law of triviality. Um, is this it? It's also been known as bike shedding. <clears throat> the term bike shedding or the bike shed effect was coined as a metaphor to eliminate the law of triviality. Uh, this is not a good definition. Hang on, let me try to find something better. Wiktionary. How about the Wiktionary? A committee whose job is to approve plans for nuclear power plant may spend the majority of its time on relatively unimportant but easy to grasp issues such as what materials to use for the staff bike shed while neglecting the design of the power plant itself. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I so say I'm get, guilty of that. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I mean, we often. all we all are. <laughs> it's just being able to recognize that when you're doing that, and and either continue to do it, and just hey, I'm an, I'm being self aware, and I'm admitting it. I'm just going to bike shed for a while, and that's okay. Yeah, um, but I haven't when, even gotten to the UI, and that's when my bike shedding really starts to take take hold. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. That's the update. Cool. Um, so I think we have to actually we have to we need to um, reopen our our business. Um, minutes here because uh, we forgot something, which is to talk about our new <laughs> our new timer. <laughs> yes, we're on a we have thirty eight minutes left. Actually, <laughs> a little more than thirty eight minutes. We, we left. might need to go over this time because we have a lot to cover. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So we have a you set that for sixty minutes, right? Yeah. And because we didn't start recording right then, so maybe we give ourselves a little bit of a buffer. I don't yeah. know, but we tried. To, we're trying to keep this to an hour at least today to see what yeah. happens. And it's not so much because people are complaining; it's just that we're we're trying to improve our efficiency in getting this done produced and then published yeah because if i mean if we just you know gives our give ourselves if we don't put it if we don't time box it then i mean we can easily spend yeah. all afternoon on this setting up talking you know getting stuff ready recording jacking around with stuff afterwards you know yeah whatever so well, now, now that i see the time i might skip some of my topics because they're not I'm all that, do it. well and that's that. you know what that's that's survival of the fittest. Yeah. If the topics aren't quite good enough to fit into an hour, then maybe they shouldn't have been <laughs> topics. <laughs> well, maybe they're topics for another time. I think the topics are interesting. They but, could be. But I don't know. And I always, I'll have, like when the topics we don't get to on a show, I'll kind of res- put those in a little area. And then if like the next week, if we need topics or something. I used to, I can, but, but a lot of times there's, there's plenty to talk about. Yeah. A lot of times. All right. So we, we want to get, when we get it, I know there's some news and stuff. What do we want to do first? Uh, let's do some news. Um, Are we going to get into Salesforce stuff, or is this what is this? Actually, yeah, everything but one. <laughs> I mean, right, one is technically not Salesforce news because it's a Twitter, but we'll, we'll just talk about it now. It's Twitter acquiring Peer. Okay. And the only reason it's Twitter, it's Salesforce related, is because uh, Peer was founded by George Who, which was uh, oh yeah, he was the, the former C- CEO, I think. CEO, something like that. Yeah. I know he was. Yeah. Yeah. So he was. He left Salesforce to find found this new company called Peer, and what Peer is is it's a it's a feedback it's a tool for collecting feedback on um, workplace feedback. So, employee, you know, how am I doing? You know, it's something for managers and, and things to kind of communicate back and forth on goals and things like that in, in, in relation to your work. Is that like kind of like work.com? Is that it's, what it is? It's like performance reviews, those kind of things. It's like being able to track that oh, and communicate on an ongoing <clears throat> basis. Yeah. Uh, it took me, if, so for some reason, some people were categorizing it as some kind of microblogging thing. I thought I saw somewhere and I was like, that's not right. Either that or there's another microblogging system out there called well, Peer. Why would Twitter buy, buy a, I know. that's weird. And like, that, that was kind like of in my HR notes. Tool. I was like, why? Um. So I don't know. It's it's something they did. I'm a, I'm I'm gonna assume that it's a talent acquisition over the technology because I'm not sure what they would do with that. I feel like George Who has not been working on that very long because wasn't he the guy that just not too long ago was on this like weird sabbatical where he didn't really quit. He just went on sabbatical for a long time. And that then, could have been some some Benioff. Say, that could have been some time allotted to him by Benioff to say, hey, why don't you go see if you can set this up. Take and this the, idea and, and, and I wonder come up if, with a business plan for it. And I wonder if Benioff was, is an investor in that. I will tell you, because in two, 2015 is when he went out to start this off with hev- heavily backed by Mark Benioff. And so Benioff is able to leverage his, his, big, his big company yeah. to basically to give this guy a sabbatical so he can go work <laughs> on another company. 
Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully, Salesforce I'm sure stockholders yeah. uh, ha- have have ownership in that too, so that uh, they they get to advantage. <laughs> they get to take advantage of what they invested in. Yeah. All right. Well, John, I'm going to have to. I got to call a. a uh, yeah, an audible here since we have, we're already in the Salesforce and, and Benioff. I didn't realize we we're going to get into that so fast. We're going to go ahead. I mean, because we all know that Salesforce drives you to drink, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I do have some beverages uh, for us. So let's dry. I need something to drink. Uh, yeah. So I, I have brought beverages. These are special beverages. Yeah. They're unicorns. <laughs> it's more beer. <laughs> it's a new beer. Is one, it Unicorn Brew? One of my special, it's, I guess. So this is- You don't uh, have a name for your stuff that you No, make. no, because I'm, I'm still in, I'm in stealth mode, John. Oh, okay. I, I feel like that's payback for my stealth project, you, but I'd, you feel like you have to have a stealth project. I'd have project. to kill you, and I'd, I'd, you know, I mean, you get on my nerves sometimes, but I don't want to kill you. I mean, <laughs> this is, um actually, I do have a nickname for this beer. It's the Accidental, I, Accidental IPA. It's a good name. The only problem is now you have to accidentally do it the same way every time. Yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> or that's the, or that's the the gimmick with it, the niche with it is that it, it it's accidental, so every time it's different. Turns out consistency is really hard. I just brewed a beer last weekend, actually, which we'll get to taste in I don't know a month or two, and I it for, forgot an entire ingredient. <laughs> I mean, I had like this 60 <laughs> steps like, laid out and I did this. It was also my first batch that I did. What's called like what they call all grain. So it's like, you know, completely, completely from scratch. Yeah. And so I had new equipment and a new process that I was following, but, and I had all the stuff listed out and, you know, I'm like, I'm going hardcore. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm targeting and measuring a certain mash pH and, you know, I treated all the chemicals with, you know, magnesium chloride and, gypsum and you know i'm going for the exact you know mineral profile i want with the with the mash and all that and you know all this stuff and i, I got it i nailed it all right i mean i you know with my ph meter i checked you know i was going for a 5.2 ph and mm-hmm. i hit 5.3 which is which is close enough for jazz and uh you know i feel like yeah i'm doing this all good <laughs> and then literally like you know i'm all done beers the you know it's in the fermenter and we pitch the yeast Get it all bottled up. At least you remember the yeast. And then I look over <laughs> on the counter. That's true, because some people, I hear stories where people forget that, to put the yeast in. Look on the counter. There's Now, the good news is it was only a, it was only a, I intended to put a half a pound of dextrose in, which um, just to, it's for, totally fermentable. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I brought down the grain bill by a half a pound, so I could replace that with a half a pound of dextrose, just to give it a little bit of a drier, crisper finish to it. Sure. But I, I just forgot so I did, I did pull down the grain bill by half a pound, but I forgot to put the dextrose in. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's see. And it's not something you could add in at this point, Not at right? that point, no. Okay. I mean, you might be able to somehow. It's, it's, still, it's still in fermentation, but not worth it. It's not that big of a deal. And plus, I only did, I did like a three-gallon batch, really small batch. Mm. So I'm, uh, my plan is to do these more, much more frequent, but small batches right. so I can iterate fast. It's all about uh, Agile, man. Agile beer brewing. Agile brewing. brewing. Yeah. (laughs) Quite a head. (laughs) Quite a head. Uh, Quotes from John. (laughs) Yeah, just call it like I see it. So this is uh, half Centennial, half Cascade hops. Yeah. And yeah. 
it was, I intended it to be a pale ale. That's why I call it the accidental IPA. But I hopped it at a rate of about an ounce and a half of hops per pound, which is really high. And the ABV came out much higher. So it basically is more, much more of an IPA than it is a pale ale. Well, you smell that hoppy goodness? Oh, yeah. I have to smell it because oh, even though I do smell it. You, yeah, you're you, just like jamming it down your gullet without even smelling should, it. Should I get the foam stick in my nose so you know I smell well, it? Well, you already did get on your lip. I noticed that a minute ago. That's the sign of a good head. <laughs> if it gets stuck on your mouth, it's a good head. <laughs> what happened to keeping it clean? I'm talking about beer. What are you talking about? <laughs> what do you think? It's good. I like it. The main thing I would change about this is I dropped the IBUs a little bit. Okay. It finishes a little little too bitter for me. Actually, I was going to say it didn't have as bitter of a finish as I would have thought. Really? Hmm. Very hoppy though, huh? Yeah. Very nice. Very cool. good. <laughs> I will add it to my untapped. <laughs> I don't. I don't create untapped entries for these. Oh, not until I'm out of stealth mode. Oh, okay. I need to get. I need to get Benny off to infuse me with some VC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> needs to be, need to be one of his buddies, like uh, uh, Nadella. Yep. Speaking of which, if we're back on topic, let's go. Hololens. Yeah, explain VR. what that is. It's just it's just Microsoft's VR technology. It's it. I don't know why they're doing this. Because uh, VR is going to take over. For some reason, all these tech companies—Facebook, Microsoft, um, Oculus, PlayStation—they're all betting big on this VR, and they're hoping it's going to catch on. I just don't see it. Maybe it's going to be fun for a few games or something, but and maybe there might be some small applications in the business world where it might be useful. But as a as a consumer product, that's going to sweep. I just don't see it. Hmm. I just don't see it. I think it's I think it's intended to be much bigger than consumer, though, right? Well, it is. I mean, they're hoping it's going to be this new kind of interaction for us, and in, in general. But I mean, could you imagine all of us sitting in cubicles with with VR he- helmets because that's how we do our work? I mean, how else will people know which Cisco blade to replace from their router uh-huh. thing? Uh, get training. <laughs> yeah, know know what they're doing. <laughs> get training yeah. and certified and and uh, mentorships. It's going to be sad when we're to a state where unless until you put your goggles on, you're just a complete moron. Yeah. Can, you, can you take a look at our router for us? So, so anyways, uh, Shell Black had, had found this on Twitter and, and sent it to us and said, uh, yeah, this is interesting. So it's, it's a picture of Benioff and Adela. I don't know where they're at. I'm not sure whose house it is. It could be Benioff's. It's, it's a nice, you know, open, I guess, circular room. With a table, and it's got this view of some kind of waterway, ocean, or who knows? It could even be the bay. It could be Benioff's house. Um, I was kind of meticulous in seeing what they had on the table. It looked like they were having sushi for lunch. And mm. <laughs> but there's Benioff, you know, with the headset on, his finger pointing in the air. Look, I mean, that, that's the other thing. You're going to look dumb using VR. Yeah, I know. It's, it's unavoidable. <laughs> you just are. You're so focused on what you see on the screen. That your your body's just doing whatever. It's just and there's no context for those of us that are watching. So it's just Is that any worse than people walking around with their face in their phone texting while they're walking? That's annoying. Yesterday when I was leaving here, there was a, a woman who was standing at the elevator, waiting for the elevator. She's had her face in her phone. 
and it dings and the elevator opens up and she's still looking down the front, walks right into the elevator, but there's a guy coming out mm. and she just, and he's just standing there like it, and she runs right into him, almost knocks him over. And she was like so embarrassed. She's like, oh, mom, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And everything. I know that guy. He's a personal injury lawyer. After, <laughs> after she walked off, I, I looked at him. I said, sewer. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I, again, this, this is one of those things that it's beyond me. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just not that well, interested. Well, I mean, Facebook had a recent announcement on VR stuff and, and bots. Bots, I, I mean, we talked about that. That was going to be a new thing. And I want to talk bots. about bots. I need to be educated on bots because apparently that's that was the big thing at F8, which is this Facebook conference. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, a developer conference? What is that? I guess it's their Dreamforce. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really didn't didn't follow it too much. I just heard the headlines about bots, and I'm like, oh, there's their bots. Apparently, bots is a huge deal, and I just realized. Well, it Salesforce this week. has got some bots. They're gonna be creating bots for it too. So, so my take is these these what they're calling bots is what we is replacement of apps. It's your way to add functionality to these services, and and so, you know, just like Slack bot, you can create a, a new thing and it can automate and stuff like that. I think there's gonna be ways to kind of automate. I think this is just a, a fancy skip logic call script. Yeah, probably. Did he say A or B? Oh, B. Okay. And then, then it goes on to the next thing. It's just like a little branch logic thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's why they're calling them bots and not AI. But I, I mean, the bots are pretty much there for automation purposes to integrate systems. It's just, it's just another cool term to use. It's, it's a thing. We'll have cloud bots soon, I'm sure. Cloud bots. Lightning bots. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I could have said U instead of O. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but <clears throat> um, bots. Bot. Yeah, I, I got to look into this bot thing. I can you start I, making some bots. I can remember in, uh, gosh, what I've been in high school, uh, got super into IRC. And even back then, there was, we called them bots, but they were fancy, basically, um, what were they? Like Python scripts? Or I'm trying to think, remember the language they were written in. Hmm. Um, but like Eggdrop was this, I think it was called Eggdrop, was like the most famous one. And, there are all these variants of it because people would modify it or whatever, but, you know, run your IC- IRC channel for you if you were super cool and had your own IRC channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> now the bots are back. Now the bots are back. Are these Autobots? Will there be Decepticons? There will be. See, that's what you got to watch out for. Yeah, you got to watch out for the Decepticons. Especially with the AI thing. This is uh, serious. Uh, <laughs> do you remember this guy, Dan Lyons? We've talked about him uh, several times. Name sounds familiar. I'm horrible with names. So, um, do you remember this? Dreamforce could be funny. Uh, that that uh, yeah. in itself was kind of like yeah. a clown show. Yeah. So he was, I guess he worked for Newsweek forever, like 25 years or something like that. Uh, he was also, I could be wrong. So somebody fact check me if I'm wrong here. I believe he was the one who did, he was fake Steve Jobs, which is one of the most famous Twitter accounts ever. Hmm. Really well done. And it, he went, that lasted for like, I want to say a couple of years before anyone knew it was him. Um, he also is one of the main writers on Silicon Valley, the super famous, successful HBO show. Which I've never seen. Oh, it's great. You got to watch it. I know. Um, but a couple of years ago, he, I guess he got laid off from Newsweek after 25 years of working there. And he was, you know, looking around entertaining offers. And HubSpot, who I guess is a Salesforce competitor or significant competitor. I mean, they're would be 
direct competitor, right? Like spot, dude. They're, they're kind of like mm. a team communication thing. No, it's mainly it's mainly like, like automated in- marketing and social stuff, but it's also you know has got a CRM and a sales aspect, but mm. it also integrates with Salesforce. If you use Salesforce, you can you can also use HubSpot for your marketing part. And anyway, so he um, I don't know what his he's going to be some kind of advocate or or just would you know write maybe writing a lot for them just to promote their stuff and who knows go to shows and different things. And it was a disaster. His experience there was a disaster. He ended up getting fired, I guess, or whatever. But and he, this is this is why you don't piss off a, a writer. He wrote a book about them and his experience there, <laughs> which came out of I want to say a month or two ago, um, huh. or maybe longer than that because. Uh, I know they were trying, I remember them trying to get um, quotes from the HubSpot executives or, you know, they were trying to interview them about this book and they wouldn't really say anything, but, but he wrote an article the other day <clears throat> talking about, I guess just HubSpot, but he, you know, it was, it is in the New York times actually, it was called congratulations, you've been fired. Uh, and I, I just highlighted some quotes here. So I'm going to do some reading. Brace yourself. At HubSpot, the software company where I worked for almost two years, when you got fired, it was called a graduation. We would all we would get a cheery email from the boss saying, "Team, just letting you know that this person is graduating. We're all excited to see how she uses her superpowers in her next big adventure." Unquote. <laughs> Unquote. Wow. One day, this happened to a friend of mine. She was thirty-five, had been with the company for four years, and was told without explanation by her twenty-eight-year-old manager that she had two weeks to get out. On her last day, that manager organized a farewell party for her. Um, but anyway, he's he's talking about how this is an exploitation of labor by it's a you know the classic exploitation of labor by capital. Um, and he was talking about HubSpot. He says it's one of those slick, fast-growing startups that are so much in the news these days with the beanbag chairs and unlimited vacation, a corporate utopia where there is no need for work-life balance because work is life and life is work. Imagine a frat house mixed with a kindergarten mixed with Scientology, and you have an idea of what it's like. By the way, I think this is one of these places that gets... Beanbags and unlimited vacations. So if you take too much vacation, <clears> like, <throat> congratulations, all that rest and effort you put into it, you get you graduate. But you know what the problem with the unlimited vacation is people are scared to take vacation. Mm. You have to give them a number. I mean, is it okay if you take six weeks? Probably, Probably not. Know. Is it okay if you take four weeks? I don't know. That, I mean, that's not. to their advantage. They're like, I guess people are used to the what the two or three weeks that you normally get, and that's probably what they'll end up taking anyways. If that, I mean, the people and that you have, you have the problem of the people who don't take. If you don't force them to take vacation or give them a number, like you have two weeks, they won't take vacation. I'm taking vacation, <clears throat> but he says tech workers have no job security. You're serving a tour of duty that might last a year or two, according to the founder of LinkedIn, Reed Hoffman, who is the co-author of a book espousing his ideas. It's called The Alliance, Managing Talent in the Networked Age. Uh, he says companies burn you out and churn you out when something better or cheaper becomes available. Your company is not your family, is his quote. Your company is not your family. It's also similar to Netflix. They have, what is it, cult- culture code or whatever. <clears throat> they say we're a team, not a family. Netflix views itself as a sports team, always looking to have stars in every position. Are you a star, John? I'm a star. Probably depends on who you ask. I'm a superstar. You are a superstar. Uh, in this new <laughs> in this new model of work, employees are expected to feel feel complete devotion and loyalty to their companies, even while the boss feels no such obligation in return. 
but he says, unfortunately, working at a startup all too often involves getting bossed around by, this is for this, undertrained or untrained managers and fired on a whim, on a whim, not on a women. Uh, bias based on age, race, and gender is rampant, as is sexual harassment. Wow. Wow. You know, and it's weird. I always think of California as, you know, kind of, at least most parts of it, especially on the coast, progressive, and mm-hmm. you would think really friendly to people of all types and backgrounds and and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but that's where I hear most of the complaints about bias, whether it's gender or sexual orientation or religion or whatever. I wonder if it's just hypersensitivity and I'm, and I'm thinking, to you know, it. Here, I, I've, you know, I've lived in Dallas, the Dallas area of Texas for most of my life. And you just now, again, I'm the guy here saying this, but I, I swim in all the time. I, this is, this is a, always a curious topic for me. And I just don't think it's near as bad here as it is in California. And in fact, I, if you believe these stories, you, San Francisco and the Silicon Valley in general is one of the worst places for it. I don't, I which don't, just blows my mind. My, my, my thought process isn't that it's worse here or, or anywhere, that there's, there's not that gradient. I think it's just the hypersensitivity around it. I mean, if, so, if someone's really sensitive about it and really looking for it, they're going to find it. They're going to find, you know, some kind of yeah, but thing. Some, sometimes not, it's to say re- that, it's, not to say that it's not real, right. just to say that you're, if you're really hypersensitive to it in your environment where that's always on, on the forefront, you know, there's always some article or some publication about, you know, we need to be more sensitive to this. We need to do this, 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 or, or women, 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 or, or whatever, you know, you're going to be sensitive to it and you're going to kind of start to see it in, in places that maybe you shouldn't. I hear what you're saying. <clears throat> and I'm sure that is, that phenomenon exists, phenomenon exists to some degree. But, I mean, have you ever seen someone who got fired for damn good cause and then com- file some complaint or, or yes, it's saying it was because of this, you know, because of my skin color, because of yes. this or that or some personal thing? They, they won't accept responsibility that, dude, you got fired because you were not doing your job well. Right. But these are the people who think it's because of some, or, or just, you know, there's, I don't know. I think it's sometimes human nature, just like, you don't want to think it was because of what you were doing maybe you weren't doing a good job or maybe the company didn't need you anymore or whatever it's that must have been because you know i mean it's tough i mean losing uh, your job's tough it's it's a it's a rejection of 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 you and what you brought to the company right and like i I said there's just some part of you that wants to think that it wasn't you it was something else someone else or something unfair and again i mean i'm sure a lot of times it is and apparently in silicon valley it's really bad yeah i mean i don't doubt it I, i think i think i think ageism is a huge problem I that's honestly one of the biggest complaints I do hear about Salesforce See, is you're old and so you're sensitive to ageism. Exactly. So I'm such an old <laughs> you're, man. You're trying to find ageism in everything. Um, no, that's that's of actual complaints of the whether it's you know the protected classes or whatever. Are, are all people protected? I don't. Or sorry, people of uh, people of advanced um, years. Is that the t- correct term for it? Um, I don't know. Your elders, <laughs> I guess. Is is that? <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, yeah, people complain in sell- about Salesforce that it's, you know, there's a lot of ageism there. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, if, if you're surrounded by a bunch of young kids and, you know, they're getting promoted and you're the older guy and, you know. Or if they're just not hiring older people. It's, you know, if they're hiring. I, I don't know if that, I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. All right. Good topic. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going I'm to segue off of that into mine, which is, um, and this is where I want to queue up the video, but Kramer was on the street, apparently, and, um... He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea! He 
has no idea. Uh, I think yesterday, uh, April 12th, is that right? Yeah. Yep. Was equal pay day? I don't understand that, but apparently it was a yeah. day dedicated to equal pay. But it's not needed anymore because Facebook has achieved, uh, they say they've achieved 100% equal pay. Microsoft says they have achieved 100% equal pay. And Intel says they have achieved 100% equal pay. And how'd they do that? By claiming victory. <laughs> or just by arbitrarily raising rates. Yes. Did anybody in any of those organizations get in trouble for their bias? Did they actually solve the psychological issue that caused that bias to occur in the first place? Or did they just say, eh, let's just fix it. Let's just give them more money. Well, how do you fact check them? You don't have the data. Just saying. Well, I don't, we don't know they have the data. They don't. They just, they just did something to appease and grandstand and beat their chest over. Right. Like we don't know of any other companies. If there is a real problem, Dude, shouldn't, of- shouldn't we be looking at the base layer of this problem and attacking it? Right. Solving the problem at the root and not just saying, oh, you don't have enough branches? Well, here's some more branches. Yeah, what do you do? Just constantly adjust salaries cons- uh, all the time? Yeah. Or, that doesn't seem like it's going to fix the get, issue. Get rid of your bigots, How does that right? create a better environment for, for women or whoever else? Because- I'll, I mean, yeah, you appeased them here. You got more money, but it's like, well, yeah, but I still don't feel like this comfortable. Is, like I can get promoted. No, this is the thing you have to do. You have to you have to go out and have a big rah rah you know thing and claim victory and do press releases and get on get on the news and talk about how you have done. You know, and that's what you have off, to do. That you have to have good friends in good places. That's true. Like like Kramer, play his video. You know who he's got other friends too. You know that right? Benny I like uh, Hillary Clinton. He's get, he's awfully good friends with her. Like Kramer's video. <laughs> okay. Uh, John DeSantiago. Is that the first one? Oh, here, Kramer. I got him. I got him. There we go. Today's equal pay day. Well, who's doing something about it? Salesforce.com. Mark Benioff, he actually looked at what he was seeing and made a judgment. Um, actually, it was, he didn't do that. It was some, it was uh, a f- couple of women, the managers who looked around and I feel bad for forgetting their names, but one of them was like, they're both in HR. Um, I'm not sure about that, actually. Yeah, no, they were both in HR. I'll put a thing in the link. I actually have, there was a story in the, I think the Atlantic, it was the backstory. It was. On, you saw that? Okay. I just didn't want to get into it again. I don't either. But yeah. Uh, we can put that show notes, though. Yeah. If you want to know the backstory and who was involved. That women were being paid less than men and immediately upgraded the pay of all women. Uh, let Benioff be a lesson on equal pay day. Oh, let them be a lesson. So here, just pay them more. So here's the lesson. They again, they they adjusted salaries by some fraction of a percent, which shows mm-hmm. that they had three again, million, what again, was it three million dollars. Yeah, in out increase of, out of a. I mean, you have to do the math on their. And we did do. If the you math. look at their costs, I mean, it was like point oh four percent. Well, they, or something their salaries their gross. have got their salaries have got to be in the billions, right? I mean, the most of their most of, the vast majority of their costs is people. No, their their vast majority of their costs is sales and marketing, which is people. <laughs> I mean, that's what you're paying for. No, it's their it's their partying. Yeah, it's Dreamforce. <laughs> it's the clown show. Um, but yeah, and, and also the other funny oh, you thing. You can play my clip afterwards. It was supposed to be. Oh, a fun, was it, it was supposed to be a funny combo of Kramer and Benioff and their friendship. Okay, let me just let me back this up a little bit. I get a little bit of and little immediately bit of upgraded the pay of all women. Uh, let Benioff be a lesson on equal pay day. Oh, they're friends. I get it. <laughs> they are. It's good to have friends, right? It is. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they hold hands hey. and sing this song. You've got a friend. He's got you. friends. He's got all these friends <laughs> in the media. He's got friends at, in, at the top 
levels of um, of politics and government. Yeah, you know, Obama brought him in and made him a part of the you know Obama's Equal Pay Initiative. We know he's you know he's paid Hillary Clinton at least a half a million dollars and has her come in for events. Um, but these are you know this is this is modern big business, right? I mean, I'm not I'm not criticizing. I mean, and he he don't we've talked about this earlier. You know, he donates to Democrats. He donates to Republicans. Although I'm not a Democrat or a Republican, I'm an American. <laughs> you know, he, he spreads he spreads the wealth, he spreads it around. You got to cover all his bases. Yeah, and it's because of his you know, his his ability to outreach and have all these friends that that makes him such a powerful CEO. It's called greasing the skids. <laughs> uh, yeah, Keith Block. Let's talk about Keith Block. Keith Block, Mister Forty One Thousand Dollar Watch. He's Got you, a forty-one thousand dollars watch. That's, that's which, no big deal. Which See, actually yeah, cost? I'm fine with that. Which actually cost fifty-eight thousand six hundred sixty-three dollars. You got it on sale. It was a return. <laughs> I tried to find out what kind of watch he got. I um, even I even tried to look listen, at videos to see if I could see what watch he was wearing. Okay, this is something that people and I don't know from experience. Trust me. But if you don't know anything about the the nice watch world, fifty grand is nothing. Yeah, that's not a big deal. Oh yeah, five hundred grand. It's not a big deal at all. Million dollars. I mean, it's 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 crazy. <clears throat> Still, that's that's a nice nice reward. Yeah, but he you know he closed all these supposedly you know bill, billion dollar billion dollars. Um, were they, well, they were billion dollars. They were hundred. They were. He was like their two. They were nine figure deals. That's yeah. what we're, we're talking about in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So if yeah. you you know again if you believe that. Um. They yeah. They I don't know if we talked about, it, but they closed a big deal a while back with the GSA to allow, and that was supposedly worth you know hundreds of millions. That makes it basically. I think the gist of that was it makes it easy for any federal government agency to buy Salesforce. It's like listed on the schedule, and you don't have to go through any approvals or bidding. It's just you yeah. can you can buy it, which is very smart. And yeah, I mean, if he did all that, sure, forty thousand dollar watch. That's a drop in the bucket. That's literally doesn't show up on anything. Except you know what it does show up on. SEC, SEC com- reports shows up in his conversation. His <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I did. I grab As something. Another benefit. <clears throat> Interestingly, you know who's got another benefit that who? was reported in here? Who? Um, Alex Dayon. Apparently, one of his family members was sick, and uh, they sent the Salesforce plane to transport them to France. France, Paris, Paris. Uh, he's French, right? I'm I think not. So. No, yeah, so I thought. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. And that had to get listed as well. You know, so the, I feel like there's a little bit of a snowball starting to roll here with looking at Salesforce because they has to do with the way they report their finances, um, the fact that they're this is some of the stuff that I've been harping on. They're a 17 year old company who is you know achieved eight billion dollars in revenue. And they still they're still not making money, but they're putting their names on hospitals and towers. And they're buying politicians. They're, they're um, you know, throwing ridiculous, ridiculous parties that c- they've got to cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, okay, here we go. Salesforce is known for throwing extravagant parties. Its smaller events are often punctuated with private concerts from rock. Yeah, private concerts with rock stars. And its big annual conference, Dreamforce, like a music festival. A self-improvement retreat and giant party with a tech conference sprinkled in on the side. Uh, out of the $6.7 billion of revenue last year, it spent half of that on sales yeah. and marketing. Uh, that's one of the major reasons Salesforce spends more than it makes. It lost $47 million last year. And then it goes on to 
this I guess they had the report that they <laughs> they're this money that they've give, given to a few executives. So it was yeah, it was Alex Dayon and Keith Block and yeah. I don't know. I, I don't see how this is we're talking about a hundred grand here, right? Well I, I think I, mean, I think so so the big headline from this that everyone's pulling from is the fact that Benioff isn't getting a raise. They're keeping his compensation <laughs> neutral from from the year before. Again, again, this is but part that stems from from stakeholders who are pissed. <laughs> stakeholders, you got them. Stakeholders, stakeholders, shareholders, shareholders. That's what Benioff calls them. Yeah, <laughs> that came from the shareholders who were kind of pissed that you know they're not doing so well here. <laughs> Why do you keep all this compensation going? Yeah. Um. So, so he's not he, he's not going to get a raise. But I mean, don't feel bad for him. He's still going to pull in at least thirty three million for the year. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, you know, should we start a, a Patreon for him? Or a, no, what's it, what's it called? Um, what's it called when you, uh, raise money for Go someone? GoFundMe? Yeah, I started GoFundMe for Benioff to, yeah. you know, to help him get through this uh, difficult time. Yeah. Because I think instead of making $33 million, he's only going to make $31 million this year. <laughs> I found something interesting in that report. It's, by the way, and I got to say, uh, this was, I got to... Uh, th- uh, this was tipped off to me by Hamza Abib, who's a, a friend of the show, oh. but <laughs> about him, about his his pay being frozen. You know, the funniest thing about this was if you just read, you know, because this is covered by several different you know, websites, yeah. news things. Uh, the comments are just golden. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to read any of them because they're probably they're not very nice. I mean, some of them are, but they're they're, they're just funny. Um, yeah, he won't be getting a pay raise this year thanks to his. The shareholder discontent, discontent over his excessive compensation, or really the excessive compensation of Salesforce management. And this gets back to a lot of these shareholders that feel like these these executives are totally enriching themselves. And they're, the shareholders are pissed off because the main way they're doing it is by printing more shares. And every time they print more shares, they're diluting. Like if you have 100 right. shares of Salesforce and just all the time and I, I keep printing more shares, well, you're just, your fraction is going down every right. time I do that. And that's a cost. I mean, it may be a cost to everyone. It's, like, it's, it's distributed across all shareholders, but it's costing them. And that, you know, that all adds up. And it's, yeah. over time, it's significant, especially if, you're, if it makes up a, hu- a huge percentage of your, of your cash flow is from, quote, financing operations. Right. Um, then you know, it becomes a problem. Interestingly, in terms of stock compensation, uh, Keith Block is now number two below Benioff. Parker Harris is actually like number three or four. Well, that's because he's being what do they what do they say? Uh, gro- groomed for yeah, what's the I, word? I, I, I think he's being groomed for the for the CEO. Yeah, I mean, I think Benioff will move to the president of the board position or continue to be, and then uh, yeah. Block might start taking over CEO. Um, I found something interesting in that document as well because we've talked about this before. You know the the Benioff security staff. It's actually mentioned in here. Is it really? Yeah, it's the CEO security program. I'm actually going to read this paragraph. The company has provided a security program for our CEO since fiscal 2012. The compensation committee established this program and continues to believe that ensuring our CEO's personal safety is prudent and vital to our continued success. The the CEO security program provides comprehensive physical and personal security services accordingly. The program is not limited to providing security services only at business facilities or during business-related travel. The compensation committee believes amounts paid by the company for this security program are reasonable, necessary, and for the company's benefit. I mean, I guess. Well, can Salesforce survive without Benioff? Probably not. We'll see. We'll see when, (laughs) if Keith Bach takes the reins and we'll see. I mean, it seems a little ridiculous that he's got to walk around, you know, the dream. He can't walk around Dreamforce without 
Well, I mean, without, you the, and I have without said, the equivalent of the Secret Service around him. But you and I have said that Benioff is key to Salesforce's success, yeah, especially right now. But it's not like he's running a country that where people, right. you know. I think Obama walks around with less security than that sometimes. So, so this paragraph is really a justification of that program. Do you think Benioff said, I want some security? I want to feel like the big dog. I mean, honestly? Honestly. I mean, would you put that past him? <laughs> I'm, 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 just, I'm just I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did, if he asked for that. I, I don't know. What's the point of that? I don't get it. I don't know. But, I mean, that, that proves that he, he does indeed walk around with a security detail for those of us who have seen him and wondered. And, and yes, it, it's everywhere. And he can't go to talk to the, the, uh, the, the dyed-in-the-wool you know, MVPs without taking the security with him. No, I mean, MVPs tried to get up to, to talk to him or say hi, and they were denied. This I think was at the, Dreamforce. I think the last big MVP meeting, though, the one where they just where they fly all the MVPs in, the, the one that's going to be in Chicago this year. There is? Is there not? I don't know. I don't either. But anyway, <laughs> the, last year, whenever that, you didn't get this, you haven't been to one yet, right? That was the summit, and I don't think they're going to do a summit this year. Yeah, but he showed up at the summit. Yeah, he showed up at that summit. Which is, which yeah, is 100% was MVPs, right. and he's got a security detail. Because the MVP, I mean, come on. <laughs> These MVPs would jump in, would take a bullet for him. <laughs> he, he doesn't need anyone else. <laughs> uh, so, so we double as security? Yeah. That's what you're saying? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's all funny. Let's see if I have any funny comments. Um, I thought I'd grabbed some. Maybe not. I don't know. The, uh, <laughs> this is, again, more funny Salesforce news. So, you know, in Indiana, they were, Salesforce or Benioff was against that, the RIFRA law that Indiana mm-hmm. was passing. And they ended up passing it, but they, I think they modified it a little bit or some kind of yeah, carve they, out or they something. they walked it back a but bit. But they still have, so they still have the RIFRA law. Um, but anyway, now, now Salesforce is being, in Indiana, is being sued for discrimination by two employees. Or they might be former employees now, I'm not sure. Probably, probably former since they're suing. Really? I didn't hear about that. Really? Oh, that's Okay. Uh, Salesforce uh, threatened to leave Indiana in protest against that state's RIFRA, claiming it legitimized discrimination. In an ironic twist of fate, Salesforce is now being sued for discrimination. So I guess just a background. So RIFRA uh, affirms the right of people of faith to live their lives and of business owners to run their business according to their sincerely held religious beliefs. That's that's that position, right? Mm -hmm. LGBT activists have demonized RIFRAs, claiming they give... A license to discriminate. Again, that's that position. Uh, notwithstanding all evidence to the contrary, Salesforce claimed that Indiana's RIFRA would result in discrimination and threatened to pull out of the Hoosier state. Uh, Salesforce, I guess, employed 1,400 people in California. Now they're being sued by two employees, both for sex discrimination and race discrimination. What? Um, let's see. Here's some more details. So Salesforce in summer... Uh, okay. They work for, they worked for the exact, yeah. So everyone there, and they're all exact, former exact target employees. Right. Um, she, okay, this one woman led, she was paid less than similarly, similarly, easy for me to say, situated younger males and non-African Americans, despite performing similar work. She also said she watched younger white peers repeatedly get promoted while she remained in the same position for the final 30 months of her job. Uh, Boyd, and this is kind of later down. Boyd was not promoted then or in subsequent rounds, according to the lawsuit, which claims the company has, quote, a disproportionate number of males and Caucasians across its upper levels of management. Hmm. I, I think, I, what, uh, whatever. Anyway, that could I'm, have been I'm, 
that could have been what we were talking about earlier is maybe she got fired for legitimate reasons. And exactly. I yeah. have no idea. But isn't it funny that we still call white people Caucasians? That's the worst misnomer ever. That's worse than Anglo-Saxon. Is it? I don't know. Do you know where the Caucasus mountain region is? Like it's, it's like Chechnya, like <laughs> Russia, like <laughs> Southern Russia. It's like, you want an interesting bit of trivia? It's like this little mountain region, though. It's like all, yeah, white, all, white, all white people come from there? Come on. Well, it's ridiculous. You know what? It's not just you. Technically, I'm Caucasian. Probably are. You on probably, my birth certificate, there's only two <laughs> checkboxes, Caucasian or, or black, yeah, and, you and I'm somebody. Mexican. And it's right, like, right. Uh, I, I looked at my birth certificate, I was like, it says I'm Caucasian. <laughs> Explain to me why it always says. It's like, Mom, you got something to tell me? Because it says I'm Caucasian. Explain to me for the Hispanic. At all. Oh, we're out of time. Look at that. Yeah. What, why, why does it always say non-white Hispanic? I don't know. Is that because it's so important to know if you're Hispanic, whether you're, you know, somewhat white or not? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a, I mean, you could be some, you could be some flavor of Latin and Latin. You could yeah. be Spanish, Cuban, Puerto Rican. Yeah, you're not Hispanic. You're too yeah. white. Get out of here. Whitey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you see, that's what happens as humans. We categorize things and we over categorize it's, things and then everyone gets hurt uh, because we're categorized. Yeah, and I know some People feel like they all have freaking human beings. People feel like they have to categorize for whatever reason. I'm just a human. And How I, about that? I, it, uh, I do. I totally resist that. I'm not a Mexican quit, or a Caucasian. Oh, right. I'm a human. It, quit labeling. Paraphrase right? Benioff. Exactly. Oh, anyway. <sighs> what else um, you got, man? Hmm. Uh, Hillary says that Salesforce gets equal pay. They get it. Uh, but this is from Hillary Clinton, who, as a senator, paid women 72 cents on the dollar to the men on her staff. Yeah. I think it's more than just a simple numbers game. And and because what? everyone is trying to trying to pull these these quick headlines, they're they're bastardizing the issue. Yep. And you can game it in whatever direction you yeah. want. That's the problem. It's like how yeah. are you going to measure it? To me, to me, giving people more money is not the problem. If there really is a problem, let's get to the root of it. Let's find out whose bias caused that and let's fix it. Or let's understand it. Let's understand the bias that happens that, that creates that problem. Or is, is it the numbers lying to us? Are there other factors that, that aren't being exposed within those numbers? I think it's a lot of all of this. I think there is, you know, there's places where people are bigots and discriminate. I think there's places where people just demagogue it for political gain and getting, getting headlines. I think there's people that get fired and blame it on everything else but themselves. And it, it, there's a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think the best thing to do is just where 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 there is bigotry, you root it out, and hopefully people won't work there. That's that's I think that's the best long term solution. Like, don't work, don't work with bigots, don't work for bigots. Yeah, if you see it happening, just get out of there. You know, yes, I mean, it's not going to be a healthy environment for you. I mean, who would want to work there? That's why. That's why to me, the whole thing with Salesforce, Mike, I I can't believe this. This is this is this is so hard for me to believe that Salesforce had you know some kind of institutionalized bigotry like really this is a you know one of the best companies to work for and you know benioff and all this and wasn't and, it number one this year on, on best I, best companies i don't to work think for? they were number one but i could be wrong i probably at the very least top five yeah i mean yeah. they're they're definitely listed and they get you know good reviews on was it glass uh glassdoor.com is that what it is where everyone so. reviews their employer privately or anonymously um but yeah it turns out that they had very, I mean, it's a, a rounding error of a problem. If it, if you even consider it was, oh, the, the funny thing about that is it turns out that, you know how they said that they made adjustments to men and women's salaries. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently those were all upward adjustments. 
And we don't know. Really? We don't know. It could have been an equal number of men and women that got their salaries adjusted up. We just don't know. So there literally could have been zero problem. Wow. That's what I said. You know, you claim victory. No matter no matter what the numbers are. <laughs> you, you, I guess I guess you it's easier claim, to say there was we we fixed the problem than it is to say, hey, we're so awesome there was no problem. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's, um, I mean, several of those things I read about, because that salary thing was in the news, I guess it was because it was equal pay day. That's what it yeah, was, that, right? Yeah, that kind of brought a lot of this out. It, 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 I mean, you had to filter through all the news. You had to really read through the, the hype and the article titles because it was very thin on content. It was very much, I don't want to say propaganda, but to me it was propaganda. It was just this this thing to reinforce the equal pay thing. And it was kind of like, well, how is this happening? What's the numbers? Yeah. What's the, psycholo- the psych- psychology behind this? What's going on here? Everyone's pointing to these numbers and these these gaps, but I'm like, well, how? Why is it happening? Where's yeah. the information? Right. So it was yeah, a bit frustrating filtering through those news. Yeah, it is. It's well because it's so much just regurgitated, it you know, is. press releases, and it's yeah. like nothing new here. But I did see a lot of the, like I said, a lot of the comments who are ostensibly from Salesforce employees coming to, uh, complaining about the rampant age discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just be nice to us old folks, people. Benioff's old. Parker's old. <laughs> yeah, Keith Block is old and just made CEO that's or CEO. Right. But they, they like to hire the youngins, though. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, bots, we did that. Salesforce has um, a product for Facebook Messenger now. Yeah, that's, that was... I keep... you. I can't believe you're letting me do this. Just do this the whole time. You've been a very noisy think, person that, today. I, think, I bet that's been audible this whole time. I just, if, you, if you're hearing some like weird scratching, that's Jeremy it's, rubbing his beard, <laughs> and this clicking is him the bottle caps. <laughs> I'm gonna double ding you for that. Beard rubbing. Jeremy's uh, swear jar is up pretty high, so if you have any suggestions for that's a true. for a uh, charity for him to donate to, <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> let us know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we now know how the iPhone was hacked. Although I'm not sure how we much. We don't have details. Well, we just yeah. know that hackers were involved. They showed they showed them the the flaw to exploit, and um, then they wrote some software for them to actually pull the data. I mean, here's the, my question though: Do you believe that the the flaw that they were able to exploit was truly previously unknown? Because that's what they're saying. Uh, it's possible they were paying hack hackers. To hack into this, and it was someone found an exploit that no one had ever found before. I mean, that's that's kind of ha- what ha- what happens. I mean, even with Microsoft, they plug a hole, someone finds a new one. They plug a hole, if someone finds a new one. I mean, it's just software, and it's it's entirely possible they found a new hole that, or and and not everyone's going to say, "Hey, I found a hole. Here it is. Come plug it." <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. Come plug it. No title. Not everyone's gonna, going to going <laughs> to say, "I found a security vulnerability." <laughs> Here you go. Come fix it. <laughs> Some are going to keep that information to themselves so that they can exploit it themselves. It's so nice of you to make that offer, John. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm saying. So AWS will hit $10 billion this year. Is it going to be the only profitable part of, of Amazon? It is absolutely my dream, and I'm dedicated to being the fastest to $10 billion. Yeah, Sorry, AWS is going to beat you. It is profitable. It's very profitable, but it's like probably the only... I don't want to say it's the only profitable part, but, you know, Amazon, they just started splitting out AWS so that we could actually see how it performs mm-hmm. and it performs really well. But as far as their other departments within Amazon, which divisions, I, we don't, they, they're not really making any money, but we don't know. I mean, there may be other departments that are highly profitable and then others that drag it 
yeah. drag the whole organization I, I gotta down. Think that's, I mean, a- Amazon as a, what, as a retail, online retail shop, to me, is immensely successful. I mean, at least in my family, we use it. Uh, everyone I know goes there and uses it. Yep. I'm able to get couriers directly from their distribution center. Um, I'm, I'm seeing more sites using them as a... Well, that's not fair. A, you live at the distribution center, John. Well, yeah, that's true. But <laughs> I'm seeing more sites using them as a uh, payment gateway. Yeah. Amazon payments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they'll do $10 billion this year. And uh, Bezos said that Amazon will actually become the fastest company ever to reach $100 billion Ooh. in annual sales. It's a lot of billions. Yeah. Um, Bezos continues to run his company on a thin profit, but AWS, AWS which is the Amazon Web Services, the mm-hmm. thing we're talking about, uh, breaks that rule. Uh, they have an operating income of $1.9 billion. Wow. It's giant. And that's selling a highly commoditized service. Not, not some pr- highly proprietary enterprise software service. This is just, they're selling nuts and bolts. Not, not finished mansions. Yeah. Uh, How much of that is Netflix money? You know what? They probably don't make any money on Netflix. The, the giant buyers that, that negotiate them down to, I, I don't know. Who knows? Know. Netflix has been giving me issues lately. Kind of mad at them. Wow. Can't watch my, my $10 a month content. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so for those unaware at how far AWS is ahead, it is 10 times bigger than the 14 other infrastructure as a service providers combined. Mm. That includes Azure, Oracle's cloud, Oracle's false cloud. <laughs> the false cloud. Um, who else? I mean, that, yeah, that's crazy. 10 times bigger than all of the other ones combined. The only real competitor, this took me by surprise, is uh, Alibaba, which reported 1.4 million customers on its AliCloud. I'm, I'm going to check out AliCloud. I'm going to run my website on that. Is that a legitimate site? Every time I get linked to that, I'm like, uh, this is a scam. I'm going to link off. <laughs> it just doesn't seem legit to me, that name. The name is wrong if it's legit. I'm always afraid there's going to be 40 thieves that steal all my stuff if I use just, it. No. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> not a friendly name to me. Um, all right, John. We're out of time. We are. And you took extra time. A lot of extra time. Yeah, we, I did. Well, let's see what we are by the official. Officially, we're at one minute or one hour, 10 minutes. So not too bad. That's no, not too bad. Well, thank you for the brew. It was delicious. You're welcome. And um, to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.